1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy.
2: Well, I think he, he was kind of a, uh, a collector of things that uh, he thought were of interest to him for some reason or another. Uh, clippings, uh Mementos, uh, classified documents, uh, and it was very disturbing. We could see in the course of meetings with him, intelligence briefings, decision meetings, that sometimes he liked to retain things, and uh, it became the practice just to make sure that we got them back in as many cases as we could. Uh, obviously, we failed in many cases, but
0: it was a it was a pattern that was uh, evident to me from sort of my earliest.
1: That's weird, John Bolton, because I worked in the White House and I never saw that in my meetings with the president, that I had to take things back from him, which would have been weird anyway, because he's the elected president. I just worked for him, as did you. That is John Bolton, of course, on a strangely entitled show, Inside with Jen Psaki. Really? That's the best you can come up with. All right, let's talk national security with people who actually know of which they speak. Are things hotting up in Asia? Let's ask the author of The Great US China Tech War, Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, welcome back to America First.
2: Thank you so much, Sam.
1: Now, um, I'm just going to ask you to do the analysis. This is a 19-second clip from the most senior diplomat in the United States. Um, Is this good? Is this bad? What does it resonate like in Beijing? Cut to Tony Blinken.
0: On Taiwan, I reiterated the longstanding U.S. one China policy. Uh, That policy has not changed. It's guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint communiques, the six assurances. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side.
1: It's strange. We do not support Taiwan independence. Doesn't Taiwan function as an independent nation? I'm a bit confused, Gordon. Yes, I'm a bit confused, too. You know,
2: what Tony Blinken did was he um, announced and went through the three bases of our Taiwan policy. Uh, You heard them there. And I'm glad he included the six assurances from President Reagan's time, because The State Department, uh, about a week ago, did not include them. And those are the most pro-Taiwan of the three things that he mentioned, the Taiwan Relations Act and the three communiques. So it was good that he mentioned six assurances. But I don't think that he should have said that we do not support Taiwan independence. Now, it is true that we don't. But the point is that after considering what went on in Beijing, he should not have said something which was very pro-China. Um, largely because it showed and displayed weakness, which Tony Blinken is an excellent guy at doing. So um, that was not the right thing to say at that particular
1: time. Isn't isn't the point with regards to Taiwan that, that we profess strategic ambiguity?
2: Yes, we do have the policy of strategic ambiguity, which is not to tell either Taipei or Beijing um, what we would do in the case of imminent conflict. I believe that we should no longer have that policy. We should move to strategic clarity. Now, strategic ambiguity has obviously kept the peace for three decades, but that was a benign period set, and we're no longer in a benign period. Because as Henry Kissinger said just a couple days ago, that war with China is more likely than not. And for once in his life, Henry Kissinger is correct. (laughs) We are very close to war. So, that's one of the other reasons why I would not have said, as Tony Blinken did, that we do not support Taiwan
1: independence. I'm glad you said that about Dr. Kissinger, a man who affected the rise of China uh, and convinced Nixon that, no, don't worry about it. We'll open to Beijing and everything will be fine. Yeah, right. Thank you, Dr. Kissinger. Uh, so if we put this context, uh, com- comment into correct context – Walk us through this in a, in a red-teaming exercise. If China, as we have seen in the last two weeks, not only flies across the flight path in one of its jets of one of our military aircraft, not not up beside it and winks like in Top Gun, but actually traverses the trajectory of our aircraft very dangerously, or if we see uh, in the straits a chinese warship come very very close to one of our vessels if that occurs and then we have this response about no independence for taiwan given that provocation how is that read by the head of the people's liberation army by general lee how is it interpreted by xi jinping and his his inner circle of advisers
2: yeah, that's the problem, because they'll interpret it as the United States showing submission to Beijing. And and Blinken already did that in a number of different ways. Um, even before the trip was formally announced, China was delivering slight upon slight to yeah. the Secretary of State. I mean, he should not have gone in the first place, given what was China was doing. And it gets a little bit weedy when you start talking about some of the dip- diplomatic technicalities, but this was a trip where China wanted to show the world that the U.S. acknowledged its submission to the grandeur of the celestial court. And unfortunately, we're going to see that played again and again by China over the coming months.
1: And if that is the case, if they not only can provide the appearance of our submission, but actual submission, what happens next time? Will, will they up the ante on their side when it comes to these engagements or close calls?
2: Yeah, I think that they certainly will do that. You know, um, you mentioned a da- the dangerous intercepts. There was the intercept on May 26th of our RC-135 in international airspace over the South China Sea. May 26 was no accident because one year before, China almost brought down an Australian P-8 reconnaissance plane, also in international airspace over the South China Sea. So, The intercept on May 26 was a warning. And we have to remember that the Chinese take these anniversaries very, very seriously. So we're Americans. We think that we're entitled to be oblivious to what the Chinese are doing.
1: You mentioned Australia that has been struggling uh, very seriously with Chinese penetration, even in in, uh, the parliament there. They have very significantly increased their defense spending. They're going to have a 30 percent increase in the size of their armed forces. Can you talk to us about the rest of the region? How are they responding to Blinken's acquiescence?
2: Yeah, the two countries in the region that have really stepped up, one of them is Australia, as you just pointed out. The other is Japan, which in December of last year announced a 50% increase in their defense budget over the five-year period. I mean, they're buying U.S. Tomahawk missiles. They are developing indigenously um, hypersonic uh, cruise missiles. So they're really moving very fast in Japanese terms. And that's a good thing, because Japan has generally been a, a laggard, but uh, on China, it's become, I think, right now more resolute than the Biden administration is. Right. So that's good. Let's take a look at a poll
0: taken entirely after the indictment was announced and unsealed uh, from NPR. It showed that Trump's favorable ratings actually went from 70, uh, 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 76%, I'm sorry, it's favorable, 76 he got me. I'm mixed up here. But <laughs> let, me start, up. let me start with all of the, 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 the bottom line is his favor ratings actually increased and his unfavorable ratings went down among Republican voters and independents who lean Republican. So, in other words, his standing among Republicans actually has improved since this indictment was announced.
1: Poor John Carl of ABC. Can't read numbers. Seventy-eight. 65, so complicated, and he can't understand why the president's support should increase after Biden's DOJ had him arrested and arraigned in Miami. Well, then, for you, John, the next 18 months are going to be very, very complicated. Gordon, um, I, I, again, I want to ask you the red team. We've never, ever seen this before in American history, that one administration arrests the leader of the opposition that is most likely to unseat the current incumbent in the White House. Uh, Fine for Venezuela, fine for North Korea, but not for America. How does Beijing, how does Xi Jinping look at the events of last Tuesday?
2: You know, interestingly, Chinese media has been pretty silent about this, and and I think part of it is there's an embarrassment and squeamishness in China because what's going on and the drama that's being played out is a legal one. I mean, and you have independent prosecutors, you've got law. And regardless of what you think about the process, I mean, it is an established procedure. In China, this doesn't happen. In China, they, um, for instance, Xi Jinping frog-marched his predecessor out of the Communist Party's 20th National Congress and the final session, um, you know, they have their um, opponents jailed, stripped of assets, all the rest of it, and it's all done on a political process. So, no, please, um, please
1: do not give Biden Merrick Garland any ideas, okay?
2: Sure. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, they probably would do that. But the, I think the point is that uh, the the regime really knows that the Chinese people are clued up on this, and so therefore, when it comes to elections. And when it comes to a lot of these prosecutions, um, Communist Party, you know, they'll talk about it, but they won't really go in and maliciously assault us like they do on almost everything else every day.
1: Because it's so alien, because there is zero rule of law in China. Correct. There is zero rule
2: of law in China. And the Chinese people, you know, they they can't revolt or it's very difficult for them to do so. They express their discontent and what we're seeing at our southern border is really i mean it's just unprecedented where you have surging numbers of chinese migrants yeah um and it shows you the, the just the dissatisfaction with chinese society and they really want to come to a place with rule of law and when i was practicing law um in asia in in uh, shanghai in hong kong you'd hear this theme all the time said you know we just sort of take it for granted you know it's horrible what the democrats are doing to president trump but There's a procedure. And the Chinese people, I think, like the idea that there is a procedure and there is rule of law.
1: Well, in this case, we we know it's a perversion of the procedure. This is an attempt to uh, prevent the president from running uh, in 2024 and winning. Um, Talk to us about what what Xi Jinping and the uh, Central Committee and the CCP thinks of the prospect of my former boss back in the White House.
2: Oh, I don't think they like that one bit. Um, And the reason is, um, if you look again at propaganda in 2020, it was very clear that they were supporting Biden over Bernie Sanders in the Democratic Party primaries. And, of course, in the general election, they worked very hard to get Biden uh, in office. And once he was in office, they started gloating. So on November 28th, 2020, a very prominent academic, Di Dongsheng, gave a lecture in Shanghai, which was live streamed throughout the country. And he spent a lot of time talking about how in the previous administration, going back to Obama, that they could control outcomes in the Oval Office with their friends. And they, he specifically mentioned them, Wall Street and Henry Kissinger. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that they And then he said something fascinating. He said, during the four years of the Trump administration, we had no influence in the White House. And, and then he said, we look forward to reestablishing our control over the American political system when Biden takes the oath of office. So that shows you really what they're thinking and who they prefer.
1: Yeah, I remember that incredible video lecture where they just admitted, yeah, you know, Wall Street, Kissinger, if the Democrats are in the White House, we can get stuff done. But when President Trump was in the White House, we had no friends inside the administration, and that's why we need him back in the Oval Office. In the meantime, follow our friend Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. GordonChang.com is the website, and the monograph is The Great U.S.-China Tech War.